0: Coming to you live from the Morningstar Mission Sponsored Studios. This is Carl and Crew Mornings on 90.1 FM Moody Radio.
1: Yibbity yibbity yo. Uh, you're listening to 90.1 WMBI. I'm not into it that way. You're listening to 90.1 WMBI FM and HD1 Chicago are off and running here today. I Got a big alert I want to give you here at the top of the hour. It is icy out there today. Okay? It is icy. You can slip and fall on your keister in a heartbeat. The few hundred feet that we walked coming from the parking garage in here had some icy spots. Don't take corners fast in your car. Bridges and overpasses are going to be icy. Side roads and neighborhoods. My back end kicked out from me on one corner in my neighborhood. And I'm like, oh, we got some ice out there.
2: Yeah, I was really surprised at how um, uh, the s- sidewalks and just paved surfaces in general were, yeah. were so kind of slick.
1: Yeah, it's, it's for reals. I mean, it is for real. So, yeah, keep it safe out there today, guys, really. Keep it safe out there today. And um, just be careful. We're in winter.
2: Which funny, is just wild.
1: Funniest thing I get up this morning, I have a text from my daughter. Now, the backstory on this is I taught our kids how to drive in Alaska. That's hair raising because mm-hmm. to teach a kid how to drive through a foot of snow, you know, I mean, when you're 16, you get a driver's license in Alaska. It's not like you have the privilege of driving on dry roads. Yeah. Soon you will have snow and ice all over the roads. And as a dad, you know, it freaked me out a little bit. My daughter is a better driver than my son. My son is a horrible driver. And he knows it. He knows it. <laughs> yeah, we joke about it. The guy cannot put the pedal down in one spot. Does anyone else have this out there? You know someone, maybe it's you. They can't put the pedal down and hold it there. It's really so like Oh, yeah, it's like you're in a whiplash ride the whole way. And I'm like, Cabin. Why can't you? And I mean, he's full-blown adult right now. He's in his 30s, right? Thank the Lord he doesn't have a vehicle. Okay. Nor does my daughter and son-in-law. Okay. They're city dwellers, you know. They Uber everywhere. Yeah. They Uber to the airports and they fly a lot and... But my son, I just thank the Lord he doesn't have a drive. He doesn't have a car. He's got a driver's license, but he doesn't have a car because when he comes home to visit, I'm like, I'll drive us.
2: I'll just don't worry about it. So, what did your daughter text you? Yeah, she
1: says, Dad, be careful. I checked the weather. It's going to be icy. When you get this text, it's going to be icy outside. And I just got a kick out of that. (laughs) I'm like,
2: My, how the tables are turned. Oh,
1: my goodness.
2: How many times did you tell her? Probably not by text back then, but be careful. Oh
1: goodness. It's
2: going to be icy, snowy.
1: Oh goodness. Because, and, and it's the reason it's more dangerous here than even in Alaska at times. In Alaska, when it gets cold, it gets deep cold. And so the roads are frozen. It's that semi, it's the frozen stuff on the roads that's near freezing temperatures or just above. That's dangerous because it's, it's like slick as snot on a doorknob to use an old friend. I've never yeah. use that one here.
2: Well, we're at 31 degrees right now in Chicago. Yeah,
1: it's a so bad temperature.
2: It is just below freezing right now.
1: Yeah, it's, it's not a good temperature for sure. So just be safe out there. Uh, who out there cannot put an accelerator down and hold it at one speed? You go back and forth or you know someone that does 312-274-9624. How are you at Driving Alley?
2: You know, I... Humbly, I, I, I'm a good driver. I, I've I driven a lot. So, I mean, I, I definitely, once I got my license, I was.
1: You were out and going.
2: I was out and going.
1: Reps was, matter.
2: Yeah, they do. And I think living, I have always, I've lived in the city and I've always been a city driver. So I've never done much public transportation. So I drive everywhere. Yeah. So I get a lot of reps in driving yeah. people to stuff.
1: By the way, did you notice something in the studio this morning?
2: It's um, hot. Yes.
1: What's going on in here? Well, it we just have, dawned on me.
2: It is hot because we have lights that are turned up brighter. Oh, is
1: I that think what's that's going a big on? Part of it. Huh. I actually think that the uh, the heating system got turned on for the season as well.
2: That could be probably. It as well. I would we're say we're so. up
1: and going here. Uh, cleaning up some stuff from yesterday. How's your dog doing, buddy?
3: Uh, he's doing better. He was more like himself through most of yesterday than we Coda. had seen the day before. Yeah. My little guy. He's two years old. He's two years old. Oh. He's a little sick right now. He's a little sick. Yeah. But he's uh, you know, we we saw some positive things in him yesterday, so we're just gonna keep going.
1: Yeah, vet's giving him some antibiotics and stuff, but yeah, it's uh oh let's talk about some fun stuff. So I got a video of my daughter and son in law's labradoodles. Oh yeah. Oh.
3: And they saw their first snow. <gasps> Oh, that's got to be fun. Guys, it is a hoot. It is a hoot. Dogs, when they're figuring out what snow is, is probably one of the funniest and most joyful things ever. Matter of fact. in it. It's great. Can you load up
1: a video that I got sent to me on text message?
2: Uh, yeah, I can.
1: Okay, I'm going to ask Allie to post something totally goofy here. I'm going to have her post a picture of Carl's daughter and son-in-law's labradoodles for His snow.
2: grand dogs. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. I don't even know if I like that. Uh, that's grand what dogs. you are. Is that what they're called? I,
2: I, I don't know. But Absolutely. That's...
3: Grand dogs, grand pups.
1: Yeah. There My you go. Goodness. Yeah, it's weird to live in a world where we can talk about dogs seeing their first snow and a little bit ice on the ground <laughs> and then what we're seeing then in Israel yeah, at the right. same time. I you're mean, right. it is a spiritual whiplash, isn't it? Most definitely. I mean, it's definitely. crazy what's going on some heartbreaking stuff. I screenshot a few things in here. I like to keep my buddy Ali up to speed with what's going on out there as much as I can too. And we, we get news from a lot of different sources around here, but I, I need to tell you right now, guys, what we are witnessing here, Danny Deutsch, 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 Deutsch. He's an MSNBC guy. Hmm. Um, Jewish guy. I, all I can tell you is, is that he went on an eight-minute kind of pouring out his heart in an interview with, um, I think, a woman who, I think her name's Nicole Wallace. Danny Deutsch, I think, and I hope I'm not slaughtering his last name. I've seen a few things that he's done in the past, but he went on a riff about what's going on with Israel, and it was heartfelt, and I, I think the thing that Danny covered that was really spot on, although his politics are far different from mine. It's amazing how a universally, fairly universally seen injustice by anyone that has their head screwed on can make politics push to the side. And he was just pouring out his heart and he said, why is it, he was asking the rhetorical question, why is it that Israel, unlike any other nation that's aggressed against, seems to have people that cheer it when it would be insanity if you saw this for any other people group. And the answer we know, Boom Crew, these are God's chosen people. And by the way, we're going to have Michael Radelnik on here sometime soon to talk about what in the world does chosen people mean? Sure. And what in the world does that mean? Do they get a do-over? They get a mulligan? Interesting one thing that Michael said, uh, he said, Carl, you know, Every evidence is that during the tribulation, Jewish people do not take the mark of the beast, that there will be a significant revival among the Jewish people during the tribulation where they will say, oh, my goodness, Jesus was the Messiah. Isn't that sweet? Yeah. So there will be an, an awareness that will come to them, unlike the rest of the world, although the rest of the world will, there will be a great revival. It'll be a costly one for those that um, are going to the tribulation. But these are interesting days that we're living in. I don't know exactly what's going to be the outcome of this conflict, horrific conflict that's happening in Israel and Gaza right now. But we are at a very dangerous tipping point in our world. We are at the cusp of. Whatever you want to call it, World War II, Gog and Magog, Tribulation. You know, I don't I don't know. I don't know the day nor the hour. And if anyone tells you they do, they don't. But we're at a tipping point here, guys. Which this dilemma leads us to the topic
4: of today. How will the church respond? How will the church respond? The dilemmas all around us. Yeah. How will the church respond? We're going to have a special guest with us coming up here in a moment, Tom Rainer. Boy,
1: what a good dude. CEO of Church Answers. He's got a robust website, but I love his spirit. We're going to get him on here more and more. Yeah. What a great guy, huh? Yeah,
2: I mean, when you spend your much of your career in, in ministry and then coaching ministries, churches, pastors, to try to help churches flourish, you have a unique vantage point to see what churches really are struggling with.
1: You really do. You really do. So pretty cool. We're going to have that. Coming up, by the way, today at 6.30 and 8.30. Well, let me get my timestamps stamps right here. 6.35 and 8.35. Every Wednesday, we've got something <laughs> exciting happening, and it's going on today. That's right. First time ever. If you're going to be yes. here at 6.35, you're going to hear it. What is it, uh, Young Thunder? What's the best way to describe it?
3: Well, so you know how when Allie sometimes tells a joke, and, you know, some of us laugh. Maybe some of us don't, but Allie (laughs) always does. So we thought, hey, let's make a little segment called Allie Thinks It's Funny, where Allie will every Wednesday at 635 and 835 be sharing some of her favorite jokes with you. And we'll see if you think they're funny, too. Oh,
1: they're going to be great. Okay, got a lot going on today. Tom Rainer going to be with us here. Um, Let me see. I've been talking a long time. Yeah, let's let's go to him in a minute and a half. Okay. You know, I feel prompted to pray for our world. Could I do that yes. really quickly? Yeah. Father, thank you. In the name of Jesus, we humble ourselves under your mighty hand and we say, "Oh God, please allow the IDF to root out the the demonic influence of the Hamas and give protection to innocence along the way. Lord, we pray for the families of these 11 fallen soldiers now with the IDF that have paid with their own blood to try to protect their people. And we pray for the family of loved ones of innocence. And even we pray for the families of terrorists and terrorists themselves. God, bring a spiritual awakening. Lord. We read your word. We know this thing's going to get worse before it gets better. But we also know that in the middle of evil, there are these little sprigs
4: of growth in Christ Jesus. God, grow them. Cultivate them. Move in power. Bring your angels, Lord, to fight mightily in Jesus' name.
2: Amen. Amen.
4: Coming
1: up, Tom Rainer.
0: Your spiritual pit stop to keep you going in the race. We're Carl and Crew Mornings. So we're talking
1: dilemmas all week long. And I think one of the dilemmas that faces the church today comes in a lot of different forms. On the outside, pressing in is a lot of migration issues, especially here in Chicagoland now, as of late, last few months especially. And then we see what's busting loose in Israel. There's a lot of discussion about end times and the actions and reactions to it are staggering. What we see on the streets of our cities, especially even here in Chicago and on college campuses, people that are green lighting hatred for the Israeli people, it's stomach churning and you got to look at it and go, well, what are we going to do as a church? We've got a great guest with us right now. Tom Rainer is founder and CEO of church answers pastors, big heads up right now. If you're in any position of leadership in church, a pastor at in any position in the local church. I'm going to give you a website here at the end of this interview that you're going to want. Tom Rayner, uh, 40 years of ministry experience himself, and he's with us right now. How you doing this morning, young man?
5: I am great, and I don't know where the young came from, but thank you. You'll take much. it, right? Come on, I'll take yeah. it exactly, exactly.
1: Okay, I, Ali and I have kind of been kicking this around. I have got a perspective with what's going on in the world, particularly in Chicagoland, as we see a lot of issues societally, migrants coming to our to our city, and then you look at what's going on in Israel. I personally, my vantage point in talking with pastors. I'm seeing a lot of laying down of personal agendas and even interest in their personal brand, and I'm seeing a heart for discipleship and even unity. I'm not saying it's widespread, but I'm seeing this bubbling up. What do you say, Tom?:
5: I would say that to a degree, you are correct, and what I mean by that is we, we do a lot of data. I could bore you I know
1: with you know data. Da- I love your data. <laughs>
5: But I could, I, could get, I have statistics on how much statistics I have, so I'm not going to bore your listeners. <laughs> well, what do much? the stats no, say yeah, give about Give us this. a little bit yeah. of
2: a picture. We'd like that as a starting point.
5: Well, I'm going to back up a little bit, if I can, yeah. then. What what you are seeing is a very good possibility. It has not manifested itself strongly yet. But here we have been actually, in my predecessor organization and now, we've been measuring what the churches believe since 1996. That's a statistical way of saying longitudinal data. And what is happening now is actually the bad fruit of what happened Over the last 30 to 40 years. What I mean by that, we have seen belief in doctrinal truth, scriptural reality decline precipitously among active church members. And what I think we are seeing now is a fruit of that. And what I mean is now we have another generation that knew not Joseph. But in addition to that, we now have a hunger that I think could very well be what you're saying, Carl. But yeah. it's not manifest enough for me to make a declaration that, oh, we have turned this thing around. No, I think it's, you're it right. May, it, may a, it may be a generation. Yeah,
1: what I'm feeling is that I think that there that, that the hollowness of counting booties in seats and bucks in plates hasn't done anything. You know what I'm saying, Tom? And you have stats for that as well, right?
5: Well, I don't know if I can – well, I can always quote your stat. I just don't know if it would be the truth or not. <laughs> but I, 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 I will simply say that we had a movement of about a generation where there was – deep lacking of convictional truth, and one of the reasons why we were emphasizing more and more, just get people there, they can be comfortable as they want to, and that mere attendance emphasis is bad, but if we're we're talking about getting people there to become disciples in the context of the local church, it's good, and it has not happened in the past generation as a general statement.
2: That's interesting. I, I'm not surprised by it, but the fact that there's data to back this up is a bit surprising. How do you measure that kind of thing? How do you measure yeah. the fruit of what's coming out of churches? I'm I'm curious.
5: Well, first of all, let's let's ask the question: How we got the data before we start talking about how we can measure the the fruit now coming out. Uh, in, in the studies that we have done, which are the same every year, we ask the same question, 20 of the questions are key doctrinal questions. And basically, the two biggies that we watch the most closely are related to John fourteen six, where Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. What we have been seeing among active church members, now keep that in mind, what we have been seeing is a decline in the belief that Christ is the only way of salvation. Wow. That is wow. the, that's how, the big How, one how
1: precipitous the, is that decline?
5: Uh, if you're in an evangelical church, it would have been a lack of belief in it of around 15% in 1996, up to nearly 40% uh, today. And if you're in a mainline church, it would have been the majority of your active church members. Now, that's in the church. Yeah, that's just, shocking. Just Put that in mind. That is, this is not a general cultural answer. So we, we certainly have abandoned the, the truth in many ways and now we're bearing the fruit of it and one of the reasons we did we focus so much on the wrong things for 30 40 years but we do have an opportunity to turn it around. There's a lot of good news, but I'm not going. I'm not going to presume upon any of you for your questions in this interview. So I'll just be quiet and say it's been a rough generation, but I haven't lost hope yet. Good.
2: So you have a lot of ministry experience. You've spent a, a much of your life committed to the growth and the health of the local church. You, when churches come to you, or when a pastor comes to you for help for coaching. What do those conversations look and sound like? You, you, you don't have to be spe- specific to identify anyone, but in general, what are they coming to you for?
5: Uh, there are two ways that we communicate in the, in the context that you're saying, Allie. One of the ways is coaching, which is one-on-one with church leaders, particularly pastors. And the other way is consultations, where we look at the uh, church as, as a whole. On, on the consultation, well, on the coaching side, both. The question, let's say pre-pandemic, but let's even go back 10 years Uh, the questions then was um, uh, what tweaks can I make to turn my attendance around that's a general statement yeah today the, the questions are, I think my church is going to die. We need to do something dramatically. Or my church is in a free fall. Help me to understand how to restart everything we mm. should restart. Mm. So it's gone from incremental to dramatic. It, it really has been, to overuse the word, a dramatic change in the way we've asked, had questions asked of us.
1: You know what's interesting, Tom, is that it seems like there's this divide. So everybody's facing the same thing. Post-COVID decline, post-Christian America decline, wayward kids going off to college, never coming back to church. Okay. We know all that, but it seems like there's two reactions to this. One is we're lowering the bar even still to get more people in, which is embracing transgenderism and and homosexuality. And by the way, I'm not an angry evangelical. I think we ought to love these people. But when you begin embracing them as full-fledged members of the body of Christ without casting a vision of the greater life and hope found in Jesus Christ, that can obviously be a big problem. You're going more of a theological skid, but there also seems to be others that are saying maybe fewer, but my personal conviction is we have a campus in South loop, one church there, and we're launching a new campus in Oak Grove here in about a week and a half for crying out loud. Um, I feel like we ought to be lifting the bar even higher I feel in my spirit that the Holy Spirit's saying, honor me with the preaching of the truth. No matter what it may cost you, I will reward that. Am I losing my mind here, Tom?
5: You're not losing your mind. And the, the response that I would have to that, Carl, is I don't, I don't want to act like I know it all or I have some type of prophetic utterance that has come true. But back in 97, I wrote a book called High Expectations. And it was the thesis of exactly what you're saying now. If we don't raise the bar, well, we've done down the church so much that it means hardly anything you're to right. most people. It's you're right. You are right. It's just another organization, it's a secular organization or it's a civic club. But now those who remain, a small number, and I say remain faithful, a small number of those churches are getting it. So I do think we're going to have an incipient movement that becomes greater, and the church, many churches are going to get healthier. But on the other hand, many are going the wayward way. And you're now, you're now seeing it as uh, instead of adopting the truth of Scripture, many of these churches are adopting the truth, uh, put that in air quotes, you can't say it, the truth of culture. So we are going that way. But I remain an obnoxious optimist. I am too. I really do think that something is happening that will bring it a healthier church, a healthier local congregation than we've had. It just won't be as many of them.
2: Tom Rainer, our guest right now, founder and CEO of Church Answers at churchanswers.com. Coming up, Tom, I want you to speak directly to the faithful. We have some of the most faithful in our listening audience, and I want you to speak to them, those who are remaining in churches, those who are committed to the gospel and discipleship, but maybe aren't quite sure how to help their church get back on the right track, or should I leave? Coming up, we'll tackle that
0: giving hope directly from the source we're carl and crew mornings
2: we've got guest tom rayner with us right now founder and ceo of church answers so to the person who's listening and going yeah the church has slipped over the last 30 years the data shows it it's discouraging i want to be in a church that's vibrant and that's committed to the right things and what do you say to the person who wants to help their own church but isn't sure how
5: First of all I would ask them to ask the question, is my church still a church? And what I mean by that, does it really believe what God's Word says? And I'm not going to get into nuances of baptism or any of those things that have maybe denominational uh, angles to them, but does my church really, is my church really a church? And as is, is, um, hesitant as I am to say this, Allie, if the answer is no, I would say go to a church that is a church. So that, that would be to those who really don't feel like their church is going doctrinally, truthfully in the right direction. To those who say, no, this is more of a lethargy. This is more of a lack of commitment to the Great Commission. I would say, let it start with you. Remember Jesus when he called his first disciples. He didn't just say, come and follow me. He said, come and follow me and I will make you fishers of people, of men. And then when he left, that was the beginning of his earthly ministry. When he left, he said, Acts eight, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. So here, here's my emphasis on this. In the churches where there is that lethargy, let it begin with me instead of them. Hmm. And let's just say I can become, and maybe I can have someone join me and and I can become that Great Commission force. Here's what happens. The Great Commission drives health to everything else in the church. Um. And obedience to that is absolutely key. I took 72 pastors through this two weeks ago, and it's been amazing how they have replicated that and are already seeing in just a matter of days a new spirit and new unity in their church because their members are looking beyond themselves. And they're looking to the world to be obedient to Christ. Hey, this is what we call it. We call it the Hope Initiative. And That's because great. this hope is, is taking all kinds of, uh, of churches in all kinds of directions that are positive right now. So I'd say, well, what can I do, Lord? And so we've been doing that Hope Initiative and we'll continue to expand it.
1: Okay, I'm going to go with Allie's angle here because she had a good one. We got a lot of faithful pastors, staff, uh, staff members, even. Um, what is commonly called laity or unpaid people that are busting their tail and they got a heart for discipleship. What do you do, Tom, in a biblically illiterate church, generally speaking, uh, compared to the church that I was raised in as a kid, where people had a handle on the word compared to now? What do you do with biblical illiteracy and yet a call in our life to make disciples knowing that it's easier to grab, gather a crowd than it is to make disciples, Tom. where do you begin, How do you move forward?
5: We, we're actually working with churches to do a three-point moving forward type of initiative. One of those is how they come into the church has to be a high bar, yep. whether you call it a new members class, whether you call it an entry point. And so you have to put the expectations of biblical truth and ministry on there. The second one, we're emphasizing that the groups become more biblically oriented. It's fine to do topical studies. There's nothing wrong with that, but we need more Bible. And third, we're urging pastors to preach more of a teaching approach as, as much as they feel led to do so that they can start teaching truth. And we could go into a lot of detail of what that means, but as we're working with pastors and church leaders to do that 3 pronged emphasis, we are really seeing some fruit. That's why I remain hopeful in the midst of all of this bad news.
1: Yeah, this is wonderful stuff. Boom Crew, you're listening to this guy and you're going, where's this guy come from? Well, I don't know either. <laughs> I don't know either. But I'll tell you where he's at, and I want you to find him, churchanswers.com. I want you to go there. This is a great site. I'm reading an article right now. You're going to love it. Should we be passing a plate? Seven insights on a a little blog that Tom just wrote. Passing the offering plate. I haven't even read the full thing, but I got to tell you, these are the kind of things that pastors, leaders at all levels in the church Need answers to, and Tom's got them loaded up right here.
2: Go to churchanswers.com. You're going to find some free resources, some assessment tools. There's a blog for everyone from pastors to lay leaders to volunteers to retired pastors. It's all right there. Just go to churchanswers.com.
0: Making herself laugh no matter who joins her. It's time for Allie Thinks It's Funny.
2: Okay, two jokes for you today. You may laugh, you may not but I think it's funny.
3: <laughs> Young Thunder thinks that's funny. I
1: yeah. know that's
2: probably that's probably the most laugh I'll get out of Young Thunder. <laughs> we'll all day. see. Hey,
3: you might, you might. Don't be so down on yourself.
2: Okay, first one. Feels appropriate given the weather outside. Uh-huh. How does a penguin build its house? How does a penguin build its house?
3: Something with slippery in it. Uh I don't know. Just a lot of ice is what I would think.
2: Igloos it together. <sighs>
3: Oh
2: you know, <laughs> that feels a little Alaska. Here's your second joke. <laughs> There's no joke. penguins
0: in Alaska.
1: <laughs> they're in the Antarctic.
2: Okay, well, it feels like they're in Alaska, it's in, too. It's in a cold region. It feels
1: like they're it in feel, Alaska. It
2: feels, like, it feels like penguins should be in Alaska, too. Oh, okay, I'm just yeah. By
1: the way, the funny thing about that joke, which what? is pretty good, is igloos are in Alaska, but they are not in the Antarctic. But anyway, go ahead. And
2: penguins are in the Antarctic, And but not in not Alaska. Well, you know what, but it, it works. doesn't matter. It's cold. It works. Okay. What do you call a group of rabbits?
1: Oh, this is gonna be a good one. Hopping
2: backwards. What do you call a group of rabbits hopping, hopping backwards.
1: backwards? A group of rabbits hopping backwards. Silly rabbits?
2: No. A receding hairline. (laughs) (laughs)
1: All right, that was good. No, that was good. That was good. That was good. I got a little
2: bit of a laugh. That was good.
3: uh, Congratulations. Uh, Tell it again because I want that for later.
2: What do you call a group of rabbits hopping backwards? (laughs) A receding hairline. That is good. If you would like today's (laughs) jokes. 635 and 835 every Wednesday. I'm going to tell a couple jokes. You can always text the word jokes to get the jokes of the day. Oh, that is good. Jokes to 312 274 9624. Jokes to 312 274 9624. Maybe you laughed, maybe you didn't, but Allie thinks it's funny. There you go.
3: Oh, that is too good. That
2: one was great. That one was great. Yeah, I liked that. I got to you... reload for 8.35. Yeah. <laughs> See what else I can come Every up with. Every
1: Wednesday at 6.35 and 8.35. And I'm not going to be
2: repeating, so it's going to be fresh. That's right. 6.35 and 8.35, I'll have a fresh joke because I can't oh. make my teammates laugh at jokes they've already heard. That's I'm, also I'm very true. really
1: enjoying this.
2: Oh, well, good. This that was fun. This was
1: great.
2: Uh, well, hopefully That yeah.
1: receding hairline one is going to be used on someone today. Oh, I good. really like that. That's, oh, yeah.
2: that's the point. Use these, get a laugh out of your kids or out of your co-workers or maybe a cringe.
1: Oh, goodness sakes. Okay, we're talking about a dilemma today. And the dilemma is what is the church going to do in light of the dilemmas around the world? What are we going to do? And we just had a phenomenal conversation with Tom Rainer. If ever you miss anything and you want to get it, just text the word SHOW to our number here, 312-274-9624. And this was a, that was a calling all pastors, spiritual leaders, any position of leadership in the church, you're going to be interested in this. But text the word SHOW to 312-274-9624, and uh, we, will, we will get you up to date with everything that you're hearing here. Man, I'm in a good place with the Lord this morning. Not without obstacles, not without challenges, but I really feel the presence and power of the Lord this morning. Really do. Something's going on really in a cool way. Okay, coming up here in a little bit. Um, you know, one of the things that Rainer talked about is raising the bar, right? Yes. And the great concern with that is, oh, no. What if we raise the bar and... People don't like it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: People don't come, right?
2: Yeah,
3: absolutely.
1: The question is, are we willing to take that risk? Coming up here, I'm going to share with you that your friend Carl is going to take a risk. We'll tell you what that's all about in just a moment. And we're going to talk about what kind of a risk do we need to take in the church
0: to see it revived. Find us on social media. Just search Carl and Crew Mornings on Facebook and Instagram. lot of painful things going on in our in our world today i mean come on
1: all you have to watch is just 30 minutes of news and you know whoa we've got some challenges near and far i mean this horrific shooting that we had doesn't even didn't even make national press 15 people shot at a halloween party a couple nights ago i mean It's a tragic thing when you got so many things going on in our world that 15 people shot doesn't make headline news. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But that's where we're at. Ukraine's pushed off the pages virtually. I mean, there's a lot of discussion and there's appropriation bills and everything going on, but it's amazing what's happening. But we live in a world that it could be easy to stick our head in the sand or run for a bunker in South Dakota, baby. Could be. But we as Christians are called to be salt and light in an evil world. And the dilemma that we face is the world is disintegrating before our eyes. And yet we are carriers of the remedy. It is called the gospel of Jesus Christ. Second Corinthians five. It was our motto for my Bible college We are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making an appeal through us be reconciled to God. We're ambassadors for Christ. We're ambassadors. Yes, we had a song even. It was an awesome thing to even go to a school that championed that, that we are ambassadors for Christ, that the whole goal is let's get the gospel out there. The problem is we're getting out the gospel to a people group very different than 30 years ago where there there might be some interest in these things sure. spiritual yeah. there's a there's a growing percentage of people even here stateside that are like ah shove it we don't need your jesus i mean really so the question is how in the world do we engage with those people because some of the people that are most adversarial at first blush are the most ripe harvest fields too you think so oh absolutely Thou doth protestest too much, my friend, is what I sometimes feel in my Mm -hmm. heart. And it's because sometimes this anger is just misplaced rage at this hole in a heart that can't be satisfied.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think about kind of just my own experience. And yeah, I think you're right.
1: I mean, I was forgiven much, so I love much. And I think there's a lot of people, I mean, I've seen some of the biggest, angriest dudes fall like huge timbers in the forest before the Lord. Just timber, here they go, they're coming down. Boom, hit the deck in humility. And now they're ready to be used by God. It's one of the most thrilling things in the world. But we got to take some risk. We got to take risk. Risk is something that we're called over and over to do. You know, if the Jordan's going to part, we got to put a toe in that baby. If you're going to walk on water, you got to get out of the boat. It was a great book written by Ortberg a number of years ago with that title. And here's the, here's the beauty of this, guys. When we take a risk, we actually are walking in step with the power of the Spirit. What is the risk that we're going to have to take as a church and as individuals? And I want you to think long and hard about this and give us some feedback here. You can text message or call in 312-274-9624. And taking risk is tough. Coming up here in a little bit, I'm going to share with you one that I'm taking. And it's, I'm, I'm in double risk uh, territory here. It's a, it's a risk to do it. And I've, I've felt like it's a risk to tell you, Boom Crew. The good old-fashioned double risk. (laughs) Coming up. (laughs) We'll get to that. 312-274-9624. What's risk going to look like for us, guys?
0: Everything you need to start your day right. You're listening to Carl and Crew Mornings. You know, we're talking about dilemmas all week. Oh, by the way, headliner,
1: tomorrow, what do you do with the wayward kid? We're going to have David Clark in here, and we're going to be talking about it. There are some hurting people listening right now who have wayward kids who've walked away from the Lord. And I want you to know hope is on the horizon. We're an incredible day tomorrow, but we're asking today, what is the risk that we need to take? We getting some feedback here?
2: Yeah. The risk of walking in faith, the risk of loving our enemy.
1: The, oh, that's huge. That's that a, big a big one. one.
2: Risk of talking about current events. Yeah, that can feel risky.
1: Not getting a lot of feedback here, so I'm asking you to ramp it up, Boom Crew. What's the risk that we're going to need to take as the church and as disciples of Christ that we maybe have not really jumped into yet? What is that risk that we need to take, that faith move? And the risk is only risky for us Hmm. because God's providential over everything. right? And when you hear his call, we got to go. What do we sometimes feel like the cost is? What makes risk risk?
3: I uh, I think risk can be risk for a ton of different reasons because you are risking losing something when you when you risk whether it's relationship, whether it's material items, face face uh, status. I think risk you're always going to chance losing something, and. It's not necessarily a bad thing sometimes.
1: Yeah, and I, and I want to dispel this because risk, I'm using this interchangeably with faith. John Piper's big on this one. He says faith is risk and risk is faith. He says you can't separate them. No, they are right. the same, yeah. yeah what, to walk by faith means there's an element of uncertainty. Yes. Now, I love certainty, and I'm a, a risky guy. Sure. But I want to tell you, I don't just go wade out into stuff. I don't. No. I wish it was that easy. Yeah. What risk do we need to take? 3122749624. I've got the great double risk coming up here in a moment.
0: Going from believers of Jesus to followers of Jesus. You're listening to Curling Crew Mornings.
2: Who wants to win? A $250 gift card to a local grocery store. We're doing our Thanksgiving giveaway. We're calling it Why I Give Thanks. And five winners are going to get a $250 gift card to a local grocery store for your Thanksgiving dinner. Here's what we're asking you. If you win it, keep it if you need it. Give it away if, if you don't. don't. Keep it if you need it. Give it away if you don't. If you want to sign up for our Why I Give Thanks giveaway, just text a word, thanks, to 312-274-9624. Text thanks to 312-274-9624.
1: Love that. Eat it if you need it. Give it Give it away if you don't. I, I love like that. It. That's great. Love that. That's the spirit. And you know what? Our Boom Crew is all about that.
3: Yeah. Absolutely.
1: So, we're talking about risk because we live in a world today. Well, look, I say this over and over we're post Christian, long since. Wow, well, and that one's in the rearview mirror. But even though we find so much evil in this world, and we're going to iterate that at the top of the hour here, and so much pain, we have the answer. The good news is good news. Yeah. And there are many. Gnarly trees that when they fall before the Lord, they will break and they will surrender their heart to Jesus. And sometimes we're intimidated by this world that we live in and we got to jump out there with the gospel. Well, I'm taking a risk to share about a risk that we're taking.
2: Okay. (laughs) Start with risk number one.
1: Um, Look, I, I have a heart for the church and I love you pastors that are out there duking it out. It is one of the riskiest businesses that we're in right now. Sharing the gospel can be tough in this culture, and the temptation in a post-Christian world is to almost dumb it down to go, oh, uh, we're going to lose people. But those of you that are holding the banner high, I'm with you, and I know it's risky. Thinking about making disciples, helping people with biblical literacy, it can be tough. It's coming back from Asbury. It's been, goodness sakes, eight, nine months ago. And I uh, got on the phone with my mentor, Robert Lewis, and he challenged me deeply. And what this has resulted in, after a lot of planning and bringing on about four of the most humble and capable men I've ever possibly worked with. You've met some of them, guys. Yeah. I, some of the coolest guys on. Yeah. And, and when I say humble, I mean genuinely humble. They've hit their lips out there in life and ministry, and they know what it is to stay postured for power before the Lord. And we're jumping out, we're going to go for it. Uh, With the counsel that I received from some good wise counsel, we're jumping out and we're launching a new church campus for 180 Chicago in Oak Grove. and. I couldn't be more thrilled. It's exciting. It's exciting. It really is.
2: So, if you want to attend, if you want to go to the first one, check it out. Particularly if you do not have a church home yeah. and you are in the area, this is this is for you. I just text the word "launch" to three one two two seven four. Nine six two four. Text launch to get all of the details. Uh, there is a request that you go ahead and register, uh, just because there's obviously a limited number of seats, so that we can make sure that there's a seat for you when you get there. Just text the word launch to three one two two seven four nine six two four. So you mentioned that the the risk of stepping out to launch the church. Yeah. And then the what was the risk of talking about it?
1: Oh, you asked me that one, you stinker.
2: Um, uh, okay. Okay. I'm going to be real. I'm
1: going to be real candid. Yeah. I do not want to be perceived as a guy that's building a brand Mm -hmm. at all. I'm a gospel guy through and through. And I think that's one natural one. If you want it really honest. Yeah. Yeah. There you go.
2: It's hard talking about things that you're involved in because you don't want it to be taken the wrong way.
1: No, man. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm a, city guy, one of the great joys that I had when I was in Alaska was, although we, I pastored what became the largest church in the state, God humbled me enough to keep me partnered up with other pastors, and we formed a coalition called the Churches of Anchorage.
2: Oh, wow. We had
1: 140-some pastors sign on to a charter that said, we're standing together in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I'll never forget the day when we had all these pastors up at a 360-degree viewing area in a restaurant in downtown Anchorage. And we were praying out around the city and the state with hands lifted high and worshiping the Lord. Wow. And that's my heart. And so I want that to be heard more than anything else. Um, but, yeah, I we're so excited about this. One word on this seating, I mean, it's not like, oh, we're marking out seats. We don't know what we don't know. Sure, about it's, who's it's coming. brand new. So we got two services that we're launching with on the 12th, 9, 30, and 11. And uh, the one thing that I do love is the unknown. It's got me just thrilled. Yeah. It's just got me thrilled. So I'm pumped up, and yet, yeah, this is—because you you just don't know. In a post-Christian world, where are we going here? Church launches aren't happening a lot right now just because post-COVID and everything, but we're going for it. We're sucking it up. And we're taking the wise counsel that we've been given, and we're going.
2: Now, I happen to know that this is so in line with the personal mission statement that you have that drives yeah. everything you do in life. But you haven't shared that in a while. Tell us your personal mission statement.
1: I exist to inspire a spiritual revelation, revolution within the church that reaches the world. That's my passion. That's why I'm here. Yeah. I mean, if this show, if our management came in and said, hey, you know what, we're going to, you know, you guys are a little bit gospel heavy. You're talking about discipleship a little bit too much. You know who'd be the first one out the door? Well, I don't know. Allie might be number one. <laughs> a Jonathan, there'd be three of us that are here right now in Superdi. I think we'd all head out the door. All four we? of
3: us would, would be tied trying to get out the door. Yeah, if, we'd if all, we it'd alone. be a race for the exit. <laughs> yeah, it would. So that fits
1: my mission statement. Again, I exist to inspire a spiritual revolution within the church that reaches the world. I'm more interested in let's get out there. Use your gifting, be bold with the gospel. And I think the primary means to doing that is really making disciples. And, you know, it's easier to gather a crowd than it is to make disciples. But the days of gathering crowds, no matter how small or large they are, every pastor that's listening to me would agree, it's hard work to make disciples, but the reward is huge. And there are so many people out there that are wanting to offload stuff that has been hanging them up for years. That's my passion.
2: So if you want to be a part of this launch and you're in the Northwest suburbs, just text the word launch to 312-274-9624. Details, location, uh, all of that in this link. Just text launch to 312-274-9624.
1: Yeah, man. John in Chicago, what do you say? Taking risk. What's your idea here, my man?
6: Yeah, so I've been thinking about this a lot as it relates to the church and risks that we need to take in order to reach the lost. I think one of the big risks we need to take is we need to uh, replace a lot of our programs with relationships. So it, it seems like we offer a bunch of programs as churches in order to meet the needs of the people who are inside and so if this kind of transactional relationships people come to our church in order to get their needs met and so they give an offering but those programs you know are, are often somewhat self-serving and so if we scaled back on the programs and really focused on equipping the people to build relationships with the lost like there's not a a program for that we need to free people up from having to to come to all of our programs so that they've got time to really engage in real relationship with people who are lost.
1: Yeah. That's that, risk I think we
6: need to
1: take. John, thank you for calling in. It takes a risk to even call in and share that. Yeah. What's your first blush on John's comments?
2: I think you're on the right track, John. I mean, when you think about what's, it's easier to gather a crowd than to make disciples. You say that a lot, Carl. and. The programs are great, but it's the relationships. When I think about the, the things that have been most impactful in my own journey, it's relationships.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's true. And, you know, how do you do that? One of the biggest challenges, and then we're going to go, we're going to move on here. One of the biggest challenges is we live in a time-constrained culture. It's like, where do you even find the time to have relationships? Yeah. People are exhausted like never before. We got so many stimuli coming at us. It's amazing, John. I love your heart, man. Keep calling in, my man. I love guys like this that are in gals that are just that thoughtful. Going, wow, what do we need to do? What do we need to risk to be more effective as the church? Coming up in a couple of minutes, we get a man that's got a passion to meet that challenge in such a time as this. Tom Rainer is going to be with us. Also, little ear warning: I've got something I've got to share with you that we shared in a Senate subcommittee meeting yesterday in the Capitol, and it was shared by Anthony Blinken. It's hard to hear, but we can never forget what we're up against in this world. Hang
0: on. Going deeper in our relationship with Jesus. We're Carl and Crew Mornings. All right, guys, got a lot going on here today. We
1: live in a world that is filled with crises. And I do want to put a little ear warning here. I'm going to do this as tenderly as I can, but Anthony Blinken was testifying after Yeah, it was a Senate subcommittee meeting. That's what it was. And Susan Collins asked him a question. I don't even know what the exact question was, but Anthony Blinken was very forthcoming with regard to the intel that they have in verifiable photographic evidence of some of the atrocities that have happened at the hands of Hamas. This one uh, makes me cry. This is hard. What I'm going to tell you is hard. So I got a little ear warning. If you got little ears, I need you to... need them to be protected here. I want to say before I say this, the reason I'm saying this is we cannot forget. We can't forget. We can't forget, guys. We've got to remember this stuff. This stuff is pure evil. Anthony Blinken said in very straightforward terms, the intel that I have seen is horrific. Let me give you one incident. Some Hamas terrorists
4: came into the home of an Israeli family on the 7th of October. And in front of the whole family, while they were alive, they removed the eye of the husband. One eye. They cut off a breast of the wife. cut off a finger of a child and they took a leg off of another child and then they summarily executed them. This is pure evil. I have no delight in sharing that with you. None. But it is easy to get in these 24-hour news cycles and forget quickly. We can't forget this. And people that endorse this are complicit they are
1: complicit in this evil totally complicit there's no gray area here i'm sorry there's not i can live in two worlds and you can too do we want the idf to go in and root out this evil in a way that protects innocent lives absolutely my goodness
4: is this eye for an eye no but we live in a world with evil.
1: You know, I always wondered as a kid growing up when I heard about the Holocaust, I was a young man when my dad and mom educated me on that.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: I thought, how in, the, how in the world can people do this? I'm gonna tell you why. When you give a
4: foothold to Satan of unchecked anger, rage, envy, uh, nationalism, be careful. Be careful
1: because there is no telling where the heart of a person will go when unchecked by the spirit of the living God. And here's what I need you to know. This is not a battle against flesh and blood. This is a battle of spiritual forces that have invaded lives of people. You can't call them animals. I've, I had tons of animals
4: growing up. Animals don't do this. This is demonic. So the question we have is, what do we
1: do? How do we live in this world? We get the greatest message on the planet. So yeah. we live in this world where you got this horrendous evil, and then those that are winking at it,
4: thereby complicit in it, and we, and they're here in America. Do we hate them? No. Do we love our enemies? Yeah, right?
2: Yeah, that's what the Bible says.
1: Do we believe that God can save someone that had just done that atrocity?
4: I believe. Yeah. So we live as light in a dark world. And we witness our hearts out, man. We're here such a short time, guys.
1: Yeah. Aren't we, Allie?
2: I mean, it's a blink of an eye, really
1: blink of an eye. Coming up here, speaking today about the dilemma that we find ourselves in as the church. And when I talk about the church, I'm talking about that a huge assembly of people that know that Jesus Christ is Lord. The Holy Spirit fills us with power. The Father sheds his love on us constantly. And the question is, how shall we then live? How shall we then live?
0: Need a wake-up call? We can help with that. You're listening to Carl and Crew Mornings. Let's go. Let's get a couple of these in here, maybe a quick call or
1: two. What's it look like to take risk with the gospel of Jesus Christ? What about for you, Young Thunder? What comes to your heart?
3: That's a good question. I think what comes to my heart is the understanding that focusing more on discipleship in the church can be a big risk. The teaching people... The true word of God and not faltering from it is a big risk. It is. Especially in this day and age as, you know, people's opinions on things start to falter. I mean, we heard it from Tom Rainer saying a gigantic percentage of churches and people inside the church think that Jesus isn't the only way. And that's hard to think about. It is. And so we may upset some people by going hard and fast on discipleship and growing in Jesus. But the people who remain will be much stronger. In him. We're so
1: better off strengthening the core yes. to reach the crowd yep. rather than trying to grow the crowd. Absolutely. We're so much better off going that way. That's yeah. good. And yeah. it's, it's hard. Yeah. And it's, it, it's, it's delayed gratification.
3: Yeah. Okay? I w- I, if I, let's say I was making a football team. I would rather have 10 guys who really know how to play football and are professional at it than have 20 guys who don't know how to play football, have never touched a football. I I have less on this side, but they're stronger. They know what they're doing, and that in terms is going to make the team go better, go faster, go stronger. I think that that's what we need to focus on rather than having more numbers. It's a good word, man. Good word.